Welcome to the Rise Inside podcast, hosted by Justin Starbird and powered by Rise Robotics. Listen as host Justin talks to experts from the Rise team about topics relating to mechanical engineering, industrial design, commercialization, and innovation. True collaborations work when ideas are integrated at inception to solve significant problems. Rise Inside brings together how the team continues to work with great folks to commercialize ideas. You're listening to the Rise Inside podcast. Here is your host, Justin Starbird. Welcome back to the Rise Inside podcast. My name is Justin Starbird, and I get to welcome back an old friend, Ken Gray, the Chief Product Officer for Rise Robotics. And Ken, actually, I'll let you introduce our guest today. I know we haven't done this in a little while where you and I interviewed somebody, but we have a good friend of yours on with us today. Now we have one of my favorite people. We have Michelle Sullivan on the line with us. And gosh, I could introduce you in a lot of different ways, um, but former president of the Caterpillar Foundation, longtime um, advocate trying to eliminate, um, you know, deep poverty in this in the world and, and, and a longtime advocate for people with um, physical impairments. So, I mean, she wears a lot of hats, really close friend, um, haven't had dinner in way too long, Michelle. We got to fix that problem. Yep, sounds good. When you're in town, you got it. You got it. I like how we can make uh, we can make plans right here um, and then have dinner <laughs> together a little bit later. So we'll uh, take care of it, <laughs> Michelle. Uh, you know, there's so many things and so many ways to describe the work that you're doing. You're an inspirational speaker. You're a published author. You're also, uh, you know, as Ken mentioned, a social impact expert um and you know you've been the leader of several board of directors um and that still doesn't do justice to all the work and the accolades that you've received um but i want you to tell tell us a little bit about yourself and you know how do you find time to do all these things well thank you you know this is fun anytime i can do something uh like this topic with ken gray it's always a lot of fun he's a uh, his whole family is a dear friend of my family, so thank you. You know, uh, I had a fabulous 30-year career at Caterpillar, uh, retiring at the end of 2018. So, wow, Ken, three and a half years. Unreal. And, um, you know, if I did not have a typical career path at CAT. I was finishing up my master's and was uh, co-oping at IBM full-time and I knew I wanted to work at Caterpillar because in Peoria, you know, with their headquarters being there at the time and my dad working there, you know, I knew I could have a really great career, a global career, different sections and topics that I could work on. And so as I started in IT and moved into marketing and parts and new product introductions, product support dealers and my dream job came available in 2011, which was the president of the Caterpillar Foundation, which is a philanthropic arm of the company. And it was started in 1952 and only four or five people had ever had that role since 2011. Um, it doesn't turn over. So it's one of, Ken would agree, one of the most wanted jobs at Caterpillar uh, because Caterpillar is incredibly generous and it's a, a global reach. And so I interviewed, it's funny, I interviewed for my first job at CAD and I interviewed for my last job, which was the foundation. Yep. Everything else, uh, people would, you know, who knew my work would come get me for different roles, which was great. And 
But Caterpillar and, and the nonprofit space, social impact is really my passions. And it brought those two passions together. And it was an unforgettable seven and a half years. We invested globally. We treated it like a business for the grants. You know, we wanted ROI. We, I felt we owed that to the employees who helped make the company successful and the dealers and the customers. And uh, we could document that in that seven and a half years, we truly impacted at least 50 million people. And that was a conservative number. Yeah. And so with my retirement, you know, yes, how I find time to keep things going. I, I retired full time. So that and my book came out called Looking Up. And that's really about, you know, obviously, I'm a, I, for those that don't know, I am a little person and I stand four feet tall. So I look up to most people, but uh, literally, but I also look up to people figuratively because I feel we all have value and I speak on DNI, I speak on, you know, inspiration and motivational, I speak on social impact and so forth, but it's all has a very common theme of, you know, we need to walk beside people, especially in today's world, we're so divided and I, I don't understand that because when, when I was growing up, we were collaborative. You know, people go, oh, Michelle, you work at CAT, you're a Republican. Oh, you're at the foundation, you're a Democrat. And I go, no, I'm a collaborator. You know, I don't dig into the political party stuff. I, I think that's been a, a deep detriment to us, especially in the these last years. And um, and Ken is of the same mind. We, we need to work together on these global issues and, and also our national issues. And I think we have more in common than we think. And uh, we don't have to agree on anything. I love a good debate. I don't like an argument, but I like a good debate. And, um, you know, I'm always open to that. And so it's been a good ride. And I continue my work, as you, as you talked about. I just got off a call uh, with a group uh, that's working in Africa on food insecurity. Yep. So that's uh, important as well. We have that here in the, in the United States. And a lot of people don't know that. So it's been a fun ride, and I just feel that we're supposed to leave this world a better place than we came, and so that's what I keep working on. Well, you're certainly doing that and leaving it a much better place than we found it. And and here at Rise, we're you know celebrating not just some of your accomplishments, um, but we're also talking about uh, you know this July being Disability Pride Month and and the opportunity to, to celebrate. Um, those that, you know, have disabilities are in the workforce, um, are having success as it's important to them. Uh, we, we continue to hear profiles from our employees. Uh, Ken, you also have had success with, with disabilities. And this has been such a, a, a neat uh, series for us to, to talk about because it really shows that, you know, when you put your mind to it, anything is possible. And, and that, um, everybody has the, the opportunity to, to, to be successful uh, when they're also given support. And to your point, you know, you're being walked next to, not looked down on. Ken, you want to talk you know, about yeah, you know, I, you know, well, the first, first of all, Justin, for at least you could have introduced me first, you know, that would have been, <laughs> would have, how do you follow, how do you follow that? Well, that's um, what I did. I, that's yeah, why I let you in, I, introduce her. I, I would I did, <laughs> did get that opportunity i would say you know uh, you know i mean we you know started caterpillar for a lot many of the same reasons the opportunity for a global career and one of the things that you said just very resonated with me 
Michelle, and that one of the biggest lessons of my career is that in all my travels in the world, that one of the things I've learned is that people everywhere, no matter where they live, we share far more similarities than we do differences. Mm -hmm. and, and yet, for some reason, we accentuate the differences, uh, which I've always found fascinating. And, and in my case, I've been reluctant to tell my story because you can't tell by looking at me that I have a significant vision impairment and or any other <laughs> any other hidden issues. And I've been very successful. So even people who are close to me would be surprised, I think, at how much um, I'm going to use the word how much discrimination there has been and in, uh, in my in my career and my in my lifetime. And, 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 and I just, I think that's amazing. I th it's still amazing to me and it become more amazing to me that we don't recognize that diversity isn't valuable for diversity's sake, but it's from a business reason, from a business standpoint, it's, it's simply more valuable when you have a diverse team. And the reason is it, their additional perspective and, and uh, that, that, that people with diversities bring. And they also bring, uh, a problem-solving mentality that they had to, you know, to, to get to these levels, to have to enjoy this level of success, you had to figure out how to solve problems on your own that others might not even perceive you were having. And so mm -hmm. there are, <laughs> you have to be an innovator, a problem solver, uh, just to, just to get by. So there is this mentality that many successful people have with impairments that that as a business as a business person as a leader i want to i want to take advantage of it teaches you resilience doesn't it it really does it does uh, and there we've is needed a, it these last two and a half years we have, <laughs> everybody the, get prepared a, this ken yeah, yeah. no there is a easy. there yeah. is an absolute no give up relentless um, spirit that michelle has and i like to think i have too there's just there's just absolutely no give up in people like this and uh, mm -hmm. and I think that's a tremendous benefit for companies to have access to people like that and I'm not saying give people more you know opportunities because they have a disability what I'm actually suggesting is we just to make, need to make sure that disabilities don't disqualify them for things that they might that they can certainly do. Mm -hmm. um, the accommodation for Michelle is pretty minor. The accommodation for me is, you know, I need a big monitor in front of my face. You know, that that's that's about it, I think. So mm -hmm. I that, so but I but I also recognize that, you know, a lot of people are disqualified. And I don't even think it's conscious most of the time, Justin, that, you know, you're looking for to, uh, to fill a position and you find out that a person is fill in the blank and you don't even consciously realize that you're excluding them because they're different yeah. than you are. Well, let me ask you both this question then. Where does that uh, confidence to, you know, keep going when you've been told no, or you've been shot down or you're passed over or something, you know, didn't break your way. And, and, and you're pretty certain that it was because of, as you mentioned, a, a preconceived notion, a judgment or, or some other, maybe le even less nefarious uh, thought um, 
to, to achieve that, those goals. I mean, you know, speaking with you, Michelle, you know, seeing you and, and reading about your accomplishments, seeing what you have just on the horizon, you know, where did that, you know, no give up attitude come from? Mm -hmm. You know, I write about that in the book. I get asked that question a lot. And I, I could say that about anybody, uh, you know, someone who's grew up in extreme poverty or, you know, we have that even here. Um, is it nature or nurture? You know, that's always argument, right? And I do think it's a little bit of both. And, um, you know, my parents told me I came out with the get the gap. I don't know if that's the case or if it I, is. If, it is. I Come on. Used to it, she, Ken, she because, you, you started talking before you were walking. Yeah, but, you know, I'm very comfortable. But I also know when someone's uncomfortable when they meet me or see me. So I don't know if I developed it more because I had to make people feel comfortable with me or it wasn't going to work. Right. Who's going to make the first mm -hmm. move? So I have mm -hmm. to make the first move. So I, I think it's a little bit of both. But also, you know, if I. I, we have to depend on ourselves. I mean, you, you have to want something and if you want it, <clears throat> you go get, get it. it. And also you, you bring people along to uh, develop them. And then also people have brought us along and developed us. And rarely in life, if you think about it, think about one of your big successes or one of your small successes. Think about, did you do it all by yourself? And I can't think of one that I did all by myself. Yeah. We always have people that help us. And I think it's important that we reciprocate that every chance we get. And that's one yeah. of the ways I say we have to leave the world a better place. You know, you reach out to help people, offer to help, whatever that help is. And so my attitude is very much geared towards that. And then that's how I am for myself as well. You know, I go after whatever I want. And sometimes it doesn't work out exactly like I thought, but I believe in fate. And sometimes I don't know why things happen, especially recently for me, I've had some things, but I have to trust that, you know, it's meant to be. And what are you going to do? You can't, you can't just you're gonna stop. Look, you have to work your way. You're going to work your way through way and keep going, you know. When I can't remember the last time, and I, and I wonder if you feel the same way, Michelle, I cannot remember the last time I thought that I might not be capable of something that I wanted to do. And in fact, I remember there's a story I tell my family often about visiting a retinal, a famous retinal specialist in Southern California. This is a couple of 15 years ago, probably someone had never seen me before. And we went through this battery of day long tests, you know, that they just wiped me that I've, I've talked to you personally about wiping me out after these mm -hmm. days of tests. And we sit in the consultation afterward. And he says, he looks at me and he says, how functional are you? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, did I said, I did. I said, that's a really, I actually, I did. I said, that's a really personal question. But he said, did you go to school? Did you graduate from high school? Did you, <laughs> did you graduate from college? Do you work? Uh, you know, and he said, and I, and I, you know, answered in the affirmative all these <laughs> things, of course. And he said, you know, most people with your acuity are homebound. And I don't know. I, I think it is 
I think that my dad probably was a lot of the nurturer. I remember him mm-hmm. telling telling the superintendent of schools that you know if we leave Ken in a Kenny, if we leave Kenny in a regular school, <laughs> that he will learn how to compete. And uh, so part of that is is nurture, um, but all but part of it's probably also you know genetic that I, I guess you're predisposed to it. But I just I literally I cannot remember. The last time I set out to do something and thought that I might not be able to do it. I really can't. I did when I was young, though, in school. I mean, people, you know, and you you really come to a pinnacle in your life where you really have to buckle down and, and go for it. And my parents absolutely, I give them all the credit because they wanted to uh, put me in a special school as well. And and my parents said absolutely not. And then um, they need. I needed a lift on the school bus because the steps are so large. And you know, being so short, I had to basically climb on my knees up, which would work. But you do get dirty, and it's not the most, uh, you know, appealing thing to do in front of everybody. But uh, to do that, and for the state to pay for the lift, they had to put me in special ed. They wanted to classify me as special ed. And obviously, I my parents knew I was on my way to college and and everything, and and they were like, no. So they, you know, my my mom dropped me off at school and went to work, and on the way home, the classes happened to correspond where my dad picked me up from high school every day, and so you know, you make adjustments like that because there was no way, you know. And special ed has a very unique place which we absolutely need, but in today's world now. We're, we're uh, mainstreaming the people with disabilities, which I think is wonderful because you get so much more acceptance. And also for the individuals, we're not limiting them in their education and their, you know, what they can do and be successful. You know, we yeah. all should be pushed and given opportunities regardless of our background, our abilities, or anything else. Um, and then for those that do need Uh, different types of education, we absolutely should accommodate everything and give them whatever they need to be whatever success is to them. And so, um, you know, I think it is different today. You know, they have those AEPs and so forth that are individualized, which I think is wonderful. And if you look at how successful um, a lot of the traditional categories of people, you know, that we didn't think they could, you know, thrive, they're thriving because they're just like us. They they want to be what they call successful. And that's different for each of us. So I definitely think we've changed some. We have a long way to go. But I definitely think we've made some progress since Kim and I were children yeah. uh, quite a few decades yeah. ago. <laughs> I, I, was, I, I really think I was afraid and my parents were afraid that I would be labeled as something. Yeah, we and, are you labeled. Know, we are you, labeled. Know, you know, Michelle, I'm very sensitive to some phrases that are common, right? The blind, mm-hmm. the blind yeah. is something that drives me. I just, it's not, I don't want the, I don't want the disability first. I want the person first. So you say it, you said it uh, very well. You're talking about people with disabilities. I want the person first yep. uh, the, because you're, the, we're all, Everyone with with a disability is an individual. We all have individual needs, individual aspirations, individual definitions of success, um, and and I think it's incredibly important to keep individuals 
first and yeah. uh, recognize that they're that they're somehow informed by their disability, but they're rarely they're rarely limited um, yeah. unless we choose to limit them. Yeah, you know it's interesting. A friend of mine, their daughter was in first grade, and she wanted to have a friend over, and so her mom said, "Yeah, bring, you know, have her mom bring her over," because she talks about it all the time in school. And so the daughter's friend comes over with her mom, and she's in a wheelchair. <laughs> that never right. came up. Never came yeah. up. And perfect. It's perfect. Like I'm not a dwarf, and my name's Michelle. Like, I never introduced myself like that or that, hey, I'm Michelle and I'm a dwarf. Obviously, you can see that. Have nothing to do with anything else. And and you can, you know, once people find out, nobody, by looking at King, you'd never know what his challenges are. Right. Um, and, you know, when you choose to talk about it, great. But it doesn't, you know, label you. And that, if you notice the stories I said about my parents, whether it was taking me to the school of special ed or, to get uh, aid from the state, you have to classify people as special ed, which back in the day, as Ken knows, that would limit you from getting into college. That would discount right. you right away. Right. And, and what is special ed? We all need help. You think about it, you know, not everybody's great in math, not everybody's great in science. So it's all in how we, you know, talk about it. And, you know, we all have our challenges. So we just need to, you know, uh, get people thinking, you know, first, let's take care of the person. And I think mainstreaming has gone a long way. Well, that's yeah. And you, and you never know what's inside, Justin, right? Oh. I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, you don't know you, you know, you, you mentioned that you can't tell by looking at me that I that I have any issues. Well, you know, my wife has called that my ability to lie on demand in the past. But, <laughs> uh, but, but the but you don't know what's inside. And I, I think part of, of what we could do better as society and need to do better is recognize that we can't appreciate the experience that, that the other person is experiencing. We, we just don't know what's going on in, in lives. And, you know, I think, I think we jump, I think we jump to conclusions and, and, and kind of assess the situation by, our own experience, and and that's pretty a pretty limiting view of the world. And I, I so I think I, I do feel that part of the message that I want people to understand is that that people with a disability like mine or other disabilities that people can't see from the outside looking in, that you can be successful, and 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 all that you need is an opportunity to be successful. And if you want it, you can make it happen. Well, that's what this month and is. Then like oh, 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 I'll just jump in real quick because this month is, <laughs> is that yeah. is that Pride Month. It's not Disability Awareness Month. It's, yeah. it's actually uh, celebrating the success of folks with, with disabilities. And it's, and it's being you know prideful of how far they've come. And to your point, Michelle, about mainstreaming, it, it really uh, it became a, a big deal after 1990 when uh, G.W. Bush signed into law the Americans with Disabilities Act. And, and this is such an, a neat thing that both of you are bringing up because you're talking about uh, accentuating the, uh, the, the features that make the person unique and celebrate their right. uh, opportunities to, you know, right now we're talking about occupational, uh, you know, successes to some degree. 
Um, mm-hmm. And you've, you've each had the opportunity throughout your career, in this case, you know, Caterpillar, uh, and now Ken with, with Rise Robotics, the opportunity to, to work with peers that see you for the talent that you're bringing to an organization. And where has, when did that change? Or, or you know, when did you each see, um, you know, not just that employers were taking you serious, but where it no longer became, it became an issue? Or, or is that something that you even had to face? Mm. Well, you know, you know, Michelle couldn't hide Right. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I could. And so I think the change was gradual, but I'll be very transparent with uh, with everyone that I worked very hard to hide my disability as long as I could. And I because I, I didn't want to be labeled. I didn't want to be diminished. I didn't want opportunities to be taken away. But in a in a work environment, my immediate work group knew they needed to know and and so i made sure that everybody that everybody knew during the interview process uh it was very important to me that anyone who interviewed me for a role knew um you know because some accommodation was required and i i famously and i don't mean this to uh, cast any i love my i love i still bleed yellow and i was sent home on the first day uh that i went to work and the 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 doctor that did my physical on day one said, well, Ken, we knew during the interview process that your eyesight was bad. And he paused. Well, we didn't know it was this bad. And they literally sent me home. They didn't have a job for me. Um, so that, that we, went, we went from that over time to me being, you know, a director of the company. And, and, you know, I ran, you know, a couple of large worldwide businesses for the last 10 years of my career. And, uh, we went from that gradual change over time to, you know, rewarding and promoting on the basis of performance. Um, I do, I was always extremely cautious though, until I became a director about really um, coming out blind, about telling people that I had issues broadly uh, with the, uh, and the purpose was to share with people that, you know, you really can be successful no matter what disability you face. I really think that no matter what you might call it, believe is an overgeneralization. I personally don't. Uh, I believe you can figure it out. If you want something bad enough, and I grew up like Michelle wanting to work for Caterpillar my whole life, that, uh, and you know, I got my dream job in 2009. Uh, which was, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> which was running one of the large, uh, which was running the large excavator business worldwide. I, I love that job. And, uh, and that was what I always wanted to do. And I, and I firmly believe that, that people are capable of doing whatever it is they want, they set out to do regardless of the disability they might manage. Can I think all of this applies to inclusion as well? This is not just a, a, a disability. You know, whether that you can be yourself, whether it's, um, you know, gender or race or, or religion or whatever it is that you think makes you have to watch, which we both understand, Ken and I both understand that I couldn't hide mine. I mean, for them to hire a little person on crutches 35 years ago, a caterpillar, that was highly unusual. And I give a lot of credit to the man who hired me (laughs) 
Chuck yeah. Williams. And, you know, he was very open-minded and, you know, did I have challenges with people? Of course we all did though. And the people who aren't, don't have a disability have challenges with people. So, um, and Ken talked about, uh, you know, that supporting people in my TED talk, Ken, I call that, you know, you can't walk in somebody else's shoes, but you can walk along with them and support them. And that's what people have done for us. And that's what we've done for other people for many reasons. And at the end of the day, that's called humanity. <laughs> and, um, but also once you've experienced something, it really opens your eyes to what that person goes through, whatever it is they're dealing with. And we have a lot of challenges in our society right now that people think they know and they don't, and they're not open-minded. And we really have to work on that um, and not be so judgmental because no matter where you go in the world, people want to thrive. They want to support their family. They want to be successful. No matter what group I work on social impact wise, they all want the same thing. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, that's, you know, where we go. And, uh, you know, Ken and I talk about that a lot. We've, we've worked hard. People have been supportive of us and vice versa. And we continue to spread that. Yeah, no, it's uh, you each have incredible stories, and I've been fortunate you know, <laughs> over a glass of wine, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, well, that's that's a, that right there. That now that's a more exclusive <laughs> club, you know. That's <laughs> yeah, you know, someday Justin will get to a point where we're so inclusive that we don't have to have conversations like this, and that's mm -hmm. where Michelle and I really want to get. You know, it you, we talked about gradual change. Um, and um, it is gradual, but it is it is changing. It is improving, and um, mm -hmm. you know we want to we want to talk we want to talk about this because we just want to continue to encourage and support and reward that change toward more and more inclusiveness. Well, we're we're as an example. Did you guys see that the Paralympics was on TV? Right. Did. On the main channel. Mm -hmm. I mean, women's basketball and, um, you know, during Pride Month, all the things that go on to support that and um, also, you know, Black History Month, you name it, we have, we have something for everybody sometime during the year and multiple usually. <laughs> and it brings sure. awareness, which I think I learn a lot. I read all that stuff. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't have experience in a lot of things and I want to be able to um, understand it and also be incredibly inclusive of it because I like change. I like people with different cultures and you learn about it. And, you know, as I've traveled, that's what excites me the most. Well, we're talking with Michelle Sullivan and Ken Gray of Rise Robotics. Ken, you and I, you know, are are really close with with Rise now. You're the chief product officer, and and uh, you know, the next question I have for the two of you is, what what can you do to uh, make employers more aware of the opportunities that are out there. I mean, I think this is really exciting that we have a platform to be on a, on a company supported podcast talking about this, but, but what can others do? Cause we're listening, you know, people are listening to this from, from all over the world. They, 
you know, folks that are in the heavy machinery uh, space, uh, you know, this is a, a, an area that's always had some challenges, uh, you know, making concessions or accommodations and that, and, and that's, you know, could be for a number of reasons, but, you know, what, what can we do to help other employers see the opportunity there? Well, I think, as I said once before, I'll just at, at the risk of being redundant, you know, you want, we want diverse workforces because they are more productive, more effective. Um, and so I think if you're looking around the room and everybody looks like you and has the same background as you, you're not doing everything that you can do for your business to be as effective and profitable as it can be. And, you know, you need to be, you know, if you're seeing that around the room, then, you know, you know, furthering your company's mission, uh, you need to be thinking about how do I make the thought processes more diverse in my team. And um, it's, it's gender, it's race, it's, 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 gosh, it's, it's thought, it's, it's so, so many, so many factors Mm -hmm. play into what, what makes up a a diverse work team. So I I would, I just encourage people to hire those, to hire people who are not like themselves, you know, make yourself look at what can I do to bring someone onto the team that has an experience or experiences or skill set that I simply do not have. Leaders are not the smartest people on the team. I surrounded myself by people who had a dimension that I did not have and that the team needed. And whether it was how they were raised or did they pay their way through college themselves? Did they have three jobs? Like how people grow up alone makes them different. And Ken and I have discussed that a lot. You know, where in the world have they grown up in and what circumstances and what experiences have they had? And, you know, someone who worked their way up themselves, and I mean truly themselves, and someone who had college paid for, never worked, and then going out for their first job, those two people are going to have vastly different perspectives. And when I interviewed, and Ken knows, I'd get in trouble with HR because I'd never go through the standard questions. I would ask them about things about college or growing up. And it tells you a lot about a person's gumption and initiative. And what do they do when something doesn't go right? Like, do they panic or do you, do you make the best of it and really come out successful in a different way? And it taught them something. And I always tell my team when we would interview, if every, like Ken said, if everybody has the same background and looks like us, I don't have the right team. My team was very diverse in many ways. And I needed a global team. That's, that's what our work was. And then the products, you need people who use the products differently. They have a different perspective than, than others on what, the, what it should be, you know, like the options and, and so forth that you can put on. Or, you know, what, what do they need? Ken needs certain things so that he can see. He can't see colors very well. And, you know, what, what do we have for people like that? Um, the machines, Ken, you know, they have different types of terrain. So you had to make different types of track, et cetera. And it just opens up the market. It, that, that machine's fine for him, but it won't work in my dirt. 
You know, right, exactly. <laughs> That's right. That. And it opened up a whole new market, didn't it? It did. It did. Yeah. So opening it's really up our eyes to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, we could go on and on and on. Justin, if you, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just monopolize the time as, uh, as long. And I know that we've got to watch Michelle's time, but, you know, before we end, I just wanted to say you're, that uh, you're awesome, my friend. Thank you for uh, joining me to do this today. Yeah, you know, we're all people, aren't we? And we all want to be wanted. We all want to um, contribute in some way that we can contribute. What I find interesting You've heard a lot of companies, Ford is one of them that has um, has really recruited people with autism because they have so many unique um, ways of thinking and, and seeing different data, et cetera. And they put them in these roles where they're just thriving. Like you and I can wouldn't look at the data like that. And yet they have a totally different perspective, perspective. and they, you know, you gotta, you can't just sit back and wait for somebody who has some challenge, whatever it is, to come knocking on your door. Justin, you asked what can companies do? You do have to go out and learn about different associations, learn about career uh, programs that, you know, when you're going to a college campus or some type of workshop or to hire, you ask about, you know, I want to make sure I have diversity in my possible candidates. And you you tell people that, you know, if you have headhunters, by the way, I don't want you to send me all one type of person. I want a vast difference in thought, ability, everything. And don't give me just the same people, type of people, because that's not what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And you, yeah. you have to go out and make an effort. The companies, they're not going to come knocking on your door. Yeah. Necessarily. You to, yeah. You have to force it. And you've got to make it, make people aware that you're accommodating and welcoming too, right? I mean, that's absolutely. Those are, those hey, are this is what we're looking for. We want yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. I think yep. that's a, that might be the biggest piece that, uh, in my experience, employers miss is the opportunity to put themselves out there to be vulnerable, um, to, yeah. to say, hey, we're, right. we're, we're looking for this. We want to try this. And we, and we, right. we're, we're looking forward to what comes. Yeah. Yeah. The other Vulner. piece is affinity groups within companies in a way I like them in a way I, I don't because whatever affinity group that you go into, you know, you, you have to be open and welcome everybody, not just the people with whatever affinity you're, you're targeting. So I would visit a lot of the affinity groups can remember we had China yeah. LGBT, women, we had them all. And it's important that you don't exclude because people can get in a clique too who have, you know, whatever you connect with. And it's important that you welcome people in to learn about that. And so, you know, I I visited a lot of the affinity group events so that I could learn more about it. Mm-hmm. That's a really, that's a really great point too, is that, you know, that continues with that whole you putting yourself out there and, and doing your own homework about, you know, what, what yep. fits in your career. It's scary, though, Justin. Yeah. In my book, I write about that, Ken, putting your guard down. Vulnerability you... is high risk, isn't it? I mean, it is it is it, being, you know, demonst- showing that you're vulnerable is is a high risk, high reward proposition. I mean, when I got the president of the foundation, a very visible position. 
I felt the weight of the world because I didn't want to fail. And then, you know, they never look at someone like myself again. And, you know, the CEO picks that role. You really don't want to fail. (laughs) And, um, and yet when you succeed, then everybody's like, oh, well, I knew that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I knew that. Right. Right. And so it works both ways. And it's very exciting, you know, go after it, whatever your situation is, uh, and get support. You're not in it by yourself. And, um, you know, I was in a bathroom, public bathroom, and a blind uh, lady walked in, Ken, with a cane. And it was kind of a, one of those bathrooms where you kind of had to make a couple of jogs so that right. when the door opened, they couldn't see in. And so I waited because I'm not good at directions anyway. So I totally, I come out and I got to look through, I go left or right. So I can't imagine what she was doing when she came to just to find the door. And I waited. And I asked her if she, you know, needed help because I didn't want her stuck in there. I've been stuck in public bathrooms because I can't reach the door handle to get out. I didn't want her to, you know, be in that situation. And so she almost made it out. There was an extra jog. And so I just, you know, talked her through it. But, you know, you you just step in and ask and they'll tell you whoever, whatever it is, if if they need you. And that's both emotionally if if you know you don't have a disability, but another type of challenge. A lot of people have anxiety, Ken and Justin. Um, they maybe don't have a real good self-esteem. And all of that you can't see, but it can be paralyzing. And don't be afraid to reach out. Well, yeah, you know, it goes back to that vulnerability. And, and I think one of the things yes. that, that each of you have done is made yourselves uh, vulnerable. You took the risk to, to do that. You took a risk to put yourself in a position where they could have said no. You put yourself mm-hmm. in a position where they did say no and you kept going. And for yeah. both of those things, you know, I'm appreciative to have this opportunity to, to, to hear your stories, um, to, to profile the successes that you've had, and also hear ways in which that there are areas for improvement, both for the culture and, and employers alike. Um, you know, I think they each go a long way. So, uh, you know, with yeah. that, um, Michelle Sullivan, thank you so much for, for joining me. Ken Gray, I appreciate your, your participation as always. I'm very grateful to you both. Well, thank you again. You're awesome, Michelle. And thanks for having us, Justin. Yeah, no problem. Let's do it again. Okay. (laughs) Bye-bye. You've been listening to the latest episode of the Rise Inside podcast. On behalf of Michelle Sullivan and Ken Gray, my name is Justin Starberg. You've been listening to the Rise Inside podcast presented by Rise Robotics. On behalf of our guest today and host Justin Starberg, thank you for listening. Please share your feedback on our LinkedIn page, linkedin.com slash company slash rise dash robotics.